We know now that in the early years of the 20th century, this world was being watched closely by intelligences greater than man's. Men from Moto. Digital strategies with Travis Sowers and David Seville. Intellect, vast, cool, and unsympathetic. Broadcast to the world with the uncanny help of Mana Deprived and FaceToFaceGames.com. Greetings, people of Earth. We are the Men from Moto, and you're listening to episode 53, Rival Me This. My name is David Seville, and I have Travis Sowers on the line with me again this week. How are you, sir? I am handsome, David. How are you? Uh, I am glad that we are recycling old jokes. It's not an old joke. It's funny every single time I do it. It is funny some percentage of the time that you do it. Yeah, less. Yeah, yeah. It's definitely got diminishing returns, I would say. This could be somebody's first time listening to the podcast, and I don't want them to miss out. If this is someone's first time listening to the podcast, I feel that they might have turned it off by now. (laughs) Fair enough. Fair enough. All right. How is your magic playing this week? I'm actually having a really good time on stream. I've been uh, playing a good bit more standard than limited. I found a deck that I really like. We've put some tweaks into it. Um, the prize support for standard competitive stuff is really great. Like I've won some stuff, opened some treasure chests. We opened a Chalice of the Void today on stream, which is like a $30 card. I'm I'm pretty happy. Magic's great. Magic is great. Uh, I've been playing a lot of limited these days and uh, not as... Unfortunately, you haven't been playing as much limited, so maybe we'll get into that a little bit here. But uh, I would like to talk about some Rivals of Ixlan and our experiences so far. Um, and uh, I think it's interesting. I think it's uh, quite a polarizing format on the Internet. It seems like the the Twitter and the, the Facebook and the forums of the world are uh, all abuzz with how awful and how good this set is both at the same time. So I think it'd be interesting to talk about that. Yeah, for sure. And I do welcome your your insight into standards. Standards in an interesting spot, and we'll uh, we'll maybe talk a little bit about it there. Your experience obviously greater than mine. So I mean, let's just start it off with rivals. So, what's the deal with rivals with you? <laughs> Not a fan. Not a fan. I mean, to to be fair, I I've probably done five drafts, one of which you joined me for on stream. Mm-hmm. And probably about eight sealed events uh, between PPTQs, PTQs, and just running sealed leagues. And it's not bad. It just feels like Ixalan 2.0. For me, I enjoyed Shadows over Innistrad a lot. And then Eldritch Moon came out and really shook things up. I was like, wow, that's neat. There's like entirely different archetypes now. And we've got this emerge and it's very different. And this is neat. And then we had Kaladesh, which... Wasn't my favorite format ever, but there was some neat stuff you could do. I did make infinite Thopter tokens. I was like, that's really cool. And then we brought in Aether Revolt, and I'm like, wow, this has changed quite a bit. We've got some more aggressive decks, and energy's still here, but it's it kind of plays different. And then we go into Emon Ket, which was kind of like, uh, I really like the setting and like the theme here, but this is just all aggro all the time. And then we changed it completely with Hour of Devastation, like nothing's the same anymore. Yeah. Play all the colors, eight drops. No problem, dude. They've got cycling run them. And so I played through Ixalan and I, you know, I did probably upwards of 60 Ixalan drafts and 40 or so sealed pools. So I played the heck out of Ixalan. And after what I've gone through here, it, it doesn't seem like it's really any different. It's just 
kind of the same types of cards looking to do the same things with a higher power level on the bombs. So for me, the, the real decision to to switch and start playing standard happened in two things. One, I made a, a New Year's resolution on this podcast that I would play more standard and that I would have at least a constructed day on my stream. And I was like, you know what? I want to do that. And then two, I do have an interest in qualifying for the Pro Tour while I'm streaming. And it's like, if we've got a relatively high variance format, which we kind of do with the power level of the stuff that's here and the fact that there's really nothing to mitigate mana flood or mana screw aside from some bombs, it's like, I'm probably better off focusing on standard right now. So between all of that, it's not like I'm done with Rivals. I, I finished the stream with the sealed deck Rivals today. It's just I'm I'm going to be focused a little bit more towards standard and really looking forward to Dominaria. Okay, so... Let's talk about a few things there. So first, the higher variance. How much higher variance do you think it is? Like we're magic players. We deal in a hyperbole quite a bit. Um, I've seen some play- some people say that it's unplayable because of the bomb rares. Agree or disagree? Disagree. I mean, it's we've played Fate Reforged, right? Like I played in that format. We've we've had formats that were very bomb centric. Mm hmm. So I was trying to figure this out today. So I I can appreciate that in a sealed format. Now, you always say that sealed formats are less luck dependent than draft formats. For sure. That's what that's what you say. So that's that's the truth. That's the truth. Yes. So but in a bomb heavy format, you seem to be of the mind. Maybe I'm misinterpreting this, that that the sealed is too it's too variable. There's too much variance involved in the sealed. So where does that come from? Well, it's, it's more, it's less comparing this format to others. Although I'm certainly doing that. The, the simple fact is the others really seemed fun Mm -hmm. and this one doesn't. Okay. But the, the variance aspect comes in and comparing it to constructed, right? Like constructed is more matchup dependent than anything else. So those are the things you look at. Like, is this deck good against what I expect the field to be playing? Honestly, I think constructed magic is easier once you learn how to play it. And that that limited is a bit more of a skill intensive format. Um, I'd frankly rather play something that's a little bit easier if I'm trying to get myself onto the pro tour. And like I said, I'm not done with limited. I just, I feel like constructed is easier. No, no, for sure. And, but I guess where I was going was, was like, why is it more, why is there more variance in this format than others, let's say? And and if it is just the bombs, you know, why does it seem to be more prevalent and sealed than, let's say, draft? Because I've been looking at draft numbers, right? And 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 people that are saying, or the, the concept that, that this is a high variance format, um, I see the same names at the top of the leaderboards that I always do. And friends of the show, uh, the Lords of Limited podcast, uh, Ethan and Ben, have similar win rates to what they did in the past in other formats. You know, they're still crushing it in the first week of, of, of their results. You know, I think they said they had almost a 50% trophy rate, which is insane. That's fantastic. Um, That isn't, that is fantastic. And so I was trying to sit down the other day and try to figure out like, why is it that, that it seems like it's so high variance in sealed? I, I, I can tell you. So what is the major cause of variance in the game of magic, the gathering? Uh, I mean, I guess it would be the cards in your deck. Mana Flood and Mana Screw are what I was thinking of. 
Mm, right. Okay. Like that's, that's the, the big difference between this and like being a digital player. I always think of Hearthstone. You can't get mana screwed in Hearthstone. You're always going to make your land drops. So they've added a lot of random elements into the cards, which people complain about. But I honestly think sometimes that game is, has a little bit less RNG than magic does. You just don't notice it because of the mana screw. So, right. So like if you get mana screwed, there's not really all that much you can do. Now the previous block there were mechanics that mitigated flood and screw in cycling. We go back two more sets into the shadows block where clues were the theme. We have a mechanic that mitigates flood. And even in Kaladesh, we had a layer on top of that with energy where your cards could often do something else. So you could build up this energy stockpile and then use it to do something else. So there were mechanics in all three of those sets and in the draft format that kind of helped you mitigate the variance that was inherent in, in magic. And there really doesn't seem to be anything like that in Ixalan that again, doesn't make it bad. I've enjoyed core sets and played them too. I was just kind of like looking for something different or exciting out of this. And you know, most magic sets are awesome. The fact that this one was really a whiff for me, like doesn't make me think magic is ruined forever and legacy's dead. Just that, you know, maybe I'm I'm going to sit this one out and play a PPTQ here and there when I'm interested in it. Mm-hmm. No, and it's not like I'm, I'm trying to put you on trial or anything like I'm, I was really trying to sit down and, and think about those reasons. OK, so there's there's nothing to do with your extra, extra mana. And we've seen this before in formats past. Mm-hmm. Right. We saw it in uh, uh, Zendikar block, I want to say, was probably the one that I can think of off the top of my head. Right. Even though you had your mana sinks, your eight mana sinks in all your colors there still just wasn't anything to do with your mana, really. Um, you could still find it there, right? Like there were enchantments you could use. Um, you could pop your Hedron archives. Like there there was stuff you could do to find, like, and you're looking to cast nine drops anyway, so you can't really flood if you're looking to cast eight and nine drops. It, it just, okay. like I said, I, I feel like clues, cycling, and energy all helped mitigate you know, mana flood and mana screw. Sure. And it, okay. it just feels like there's not anything here to do that. And that that's not, again, necessarily the sign of a bad format. It's just not interesting. No, but there is a lot of hyperbole about how bad the format is, right? Yeah. I, you, you see it on the, on the pro magic players, Twitters where it's, you know, this is the great format. This is a terrible format. And there's obviously the truth that lies somewhere in the middle. So, okay. So you've got mana flu, mana screw, you can't or screw. You can't mitigate that Two, Obviously we've said that, you know, maybe it's a bomb centric format. Um, I think, and correct me if I'm wrong, I think that it being a bomb centric format does impact sealed a lot more than draft, especially if you are looking to run a, in a PPTQ or at a GP or something like that, where if you have to go seven and two, eight and one, nine and zero, oh, the decks that you play against as you get further and further naturally will be better and better. Um, and in a bomb centric format, if somebody opens two profane processions and play black white, they have a better chance of going, you know, five Oh six Oh, right. And starting to run that up. So if you end up with a deck that does not have those high quality cards, you are obviously starting behind the rest of the pack. Um, and you will run into those decks as you go further into sealed is, do you disagree with that? Or do you agree with that? I, I think that all that it being a bomb centric format means is that the sealed decks are going to be a little bit slower and a little bit more powerful than you're expecting. Mm-hmm. Right. Because by the same token, just like someone else can open bombs, so can you. Mm-hmm. And now I've, I've had sealed pools already in this format that were amazing and had just stupid unbeatable cards in it. 
And I managed to open another that had six stone unplayable rares, like just stuff you don't want to put in your deck, kind of bad rares. So, so like it can range anywhere in between that. But but there's that variance, right? And if you're on the lower end of variance in in, in sealed or in, in let's say long term events, right? Even if you drafted a deck and tried to play nine rounds with it, it would be the same thing, right? Whereas the more wins you put together, you, it's safe to assume that this, the stronger the decks you'd be playing against, correct? Sure, but the the only reason the variance is higher is that you're each player is getting six rares instead of three, right? So when you draft, you're opening three packs, you have a shot at three good rares or mythics, and sometimes you get past one because you were in the right colors, huzzah. But most decks will end up with somewhere between two to four rares, whereas in sealed, you're going to open six, you know, maybe seven if you got a foil one. So each card pool, you know, has double the packs to try to build from. So I, I don't think that the that's necessarily what's increasing variance. And I, I don't always think that it's true that you'll face better and better decks as you play through a tournament. Like I've I've played a lot of GPs and a lot of online PTQs. You will typically play better players as you go through. But I've I've seen like what look like bad aggro decks on the last round of of day one at a GP just smashing the table because like the format's sometimes not prepared for it sure but i mean like okay P- picture picture a square with uh with four quadrants in it right you have good player good deck good player bad deck good player bad player good deck bad player bad deck right those are your four options right yeah, yeah. so the good decks good player good deck obviously is going to be in the top top tables right good player bad deck or, or average deck or whatever you want to not a good deck will also be in those top tables, right? More so than a bad player with a bad deck. So, but but a, a good player with a bad deck can also just catch lightning in a bottle and move up to those top tables quite easily, especially if, you know, like we said, like you open some of these unbeatable bombs in the format. I think that's just, this is the same in any Magic format, though. I do right? too. And, and the longer the day goes, the more events that you have, or the more rounds that you have in your event, right? The, the, the people that do have the slightly better decks, the, the better pool, you know, you will run into those people more frequently if you ran it a thousand times, right? Sure. Like I, I, one thing this format has going for it is since there's so little to mitigate flood and screw, like the, the variance that's inherent in magic can still work to your advantage there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. So I, I even guess... if their pool's better, you can certainly still win. Oh, absolutely. Right. I'm just I'm just trying to think of like all of the different things that are that could be tying into this, right, of this being, a, you know, perceived as a high variance format. Right. So and, and then I was thinking about draft and I'm trying to think of like, like, why are all the top names at the top of the draft boards, the, the leaderboards? And, you know, the, the best thing I could come up with is that it's easier to to build a, a play around or build around like rare cards. Right. Like you focus on sideboard cards. Right. You know, you might pick naturalizes and cleansing rays and and cards that deal with cards you can't deal with. Otherwise, you know, you might pick those earlier so you have something in your sideboard, but also they're just shorter events. Right. Your drafts are three rounds and the number of 2-0 decks that are out there just waiting to you to be paired up against when you're 2-0 is quite high. Right. There could be 2-0s that got lucky. There could be 2-0s that are just the, the stone nuts. It, when they with their with their rares or their their deck construction right there's there's all the things in the middle but in a longer event and this doesn't necessarily have to be sealed it could be standard as well you know generally speaking the cream will rise to the top generally speaking all all other things equal right mm-hmm. the if of all the players are equal 
and you run the simulation a thousand times, the better decks will get to the top. So if you happen to luck box your way to seven and zero, you know, you have a higher shot of playing a deck that is better than yours. I, I actually have some thoughts that are not necessarily contrary to that, but I think we'll shed some additional light on it. So some of the formats that I've liked the most were ones that were just fun, right? That were just fun to play. Uh, Cons of Tarkir goes into that group for me. Now, I had virtually no success at either GPs or PTQs or anything with Cons of Tarkir. I went to two sealed uh, GPs and failed to make day two on both. I played in plenty of PTQs uh, and, and didn't top eight but I still have fond memories of cons of Tarkir dragon's maze is a format that when I went back and drafted it, it was still fun, but it was no cons, but I have fond memories of it because I did so well in it. That's where I've got a GP top eight, right? Like I, I had an individual shot at making top eight and, and was one game off. That was a huge deal for me to like cash a, a GP and, be that close to the top table and then the team GP. So let's bear in mind that some people are really going to enjoy formats where they win. And then some people are going to really enjoy formats that are just fun and let you do stupid things or fun things, whatever they consider to be fun. And what I, what I have noticed about rivals is that it is very rewarding for just solid technical play. The things that win in rivals are the things that just win in classic magic. If you can get a two for one, when they play that aura on their dude, you're probably winning that game. If you can set up an aura on your guy with counter magic or a combat trick in hand to protect it, you're probably winning that game. So Ethan and Ben and other friends of the podcast that we know are quite good at limited magic will be able to do very well here. And I, I think if I legitimately devoted myself to doing it, I could too. So like if standard didn't exist and this was just what magic is entirely, I'd be jamming rivals for the next three months and happy about it. It, it, it. It's again, not bad, but I think that may be where some of the polarization comes from. There's people who just don't enjoy it. And that's a separate conversation from people who are winning at it and f- then find it fun because they're winning. Cause it's yes. like, it's, it's not hard to enjoy a game when you're winning. Right. This is true. You're not wrong. And I kind of, that's where I was kind of trying to go down this path. Right. Is that, is that I think that it's easy to hate a format and not, and this is, this is not about you, you know, obviously, you know, you said here that it's not necessarily a bad format for you. It's just something that you don't necessarily enjoy as much as doing standard, but I think it's very easy to hate a format that you're not good at. I've done it before. Right. And this is not you. This is the general you, right. Is the, the best cure for hating something is to just get better at it or, or just, just, one day wake up and all of a sudden you have it all figured out and Hey, this isn't so bad anymore. I'm actually winning. Um, I've done that before. You've done that before. Everybody's done that before. I hate games that I can't win at. And so, you know, I was hoping, and maybe this, maybe this isn't for this week, but, but at some point is it's like, you know, try to figure out why people are losing at the format. And this is where the variance comes into play. So like, how can you mitigate these things? So in draft, when I'm, when I'm sitting down and I'm watching somebody draft or I'm drafting myself, I am thinking about these unbeatable cards that profane procession is the one that I can think of. That's, that's probably the best one. And it's like, if I'm happy, to, if I happen to be in white or green and there's a naturalize and it's like, man, this is going to sit in my sideboard. But when I bring it in, there's a high chance it's going to be good given that there's all the ores in the format, as well as this unbeatable bomb that is a rare that is always going to be first picked and somebody's always going to force black white if they have it. 
and I just can't beat it otherwise. Right. Yeah. And I'm, I'm trying to think like, so, so there's, there's ways to mitigate your deck or mitigate your luck there by a little bit of deck construction, right? You look for sideboard cards, you look for strategies, you think about the cards you can't beat and, you know, maybe you just happen to have a sideboard plan for it. If you can, right. You can construct your draft that way. Is there a way then that we can mitigate the other variants in that there are no mana sinks? Like, are there things that we can do in this format that can help us uh, get over that? Can we play 16 lands more frequently? Can we look to play eight and nine drops instead of just stopping our curve at six, for example? Um, Do we have to focus on, man, I'm trying to think what the mana sinks are. There's equipment. There's like things like shapers of nature, but there's not much else for mana sinks. Are there anything, is there anything that we can be doing to, to kind of help that out? And you obviously you can't necessarily do that in, in sealed, but maybe that's something you can do in draft. And maybe that's why draft is, you know, to me seems like little less variance than sealed right about now. Well, I think that's one of the reasons the pirates cutlass was so good in the last set uh, was it was one of a few great colorless mana sinks that could go in any deck. It obviously got better with pirates, but one thing you can do is focus on aggressive curve-based aggro decks. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's going to be difficult for me to say this, but you take a deep breath. Sometimes when you're playing curve-based aggro decks, you will have to mulligan more frequently than otherwise. Oh, that hurts. That was painful, hey? Yeah, because if, if your deck is, you know, four one-drops and eight two drops you kind of need to at least have a a one or a two in your opener if you've got four lands and the two six drops that are in your deck and a removal spell like if you showed that hand to anyone who follows the travis philosophy of mulliganing and says this is limited should i mulligan this they'd say no way but then if you spread out your deck and said well my plan is to curve out one two three combat trick and kill them you can't keep that Mm mm-hmm so it, 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 you may need to be a little more liberal with mulliganing in, in order to make that happen. Like know what your deck's plan is and be ready for it. There's also a lot of evasive creatures that you can draft around and that makes any equipments that you pick up a little bit better. So I, I think things like that, there are also card draw spells uh, that we have available. There are some spells that replace themselves when you cast them. Uh, the bounce spell in the new set sort of gets you out of a card, right? So you can look for things like that to help mitigate some of that variance. And it, all of the tools are there, right? To, to make a, a nice, healthy, satisfying, good magic experience. I just, I don't know, man. We went from like Nicol Bolas's zombie army and oh my God, Deseret's stealing energy to power this portal for Nicol Bolas and Cools on Innistrad. Now it's like there's dinosaurs and pirates, Oh my. Yes. We have a lot of pros and no cons these days. Con. I mean, for me, I need to like the gameplay or the story, mm-hmm. right? Kaladesh's gameplay was interesting enough to me that I didn't care that the story didn't grab me. M and Ket's story was so good that I didn't care that it was kind of a garbagey aggro format. And then when it comes together, like it did for me with shadows or hour of devastation, we're just like, the the flavor is delicious and the gameplay is satisfying and rewarding and can go in a lot of different ways, right? It it, it feels like to me in Ixalan that all of the tribes kind of do the same thing, right? It's yeah. like curve out with your creatures that share a creature type and then play your card that cares about that creature type and hope that your opponent can't deal with it and you win. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah. And I think I think there are some cool decks that you can build in in draft at the very least. And and some of them may be tribal. But at the end of the day, they're all just bread and butter magic. Right. Like I'm winning with uh, I mean, I have like an 80 something percent win rate right now. Um, And and all of my decks have been creatures in removal. Right. Yeah. Like dot deck. Like I tried to build a merfolk tribal deck um, and I ended up with like nine merfolk no lords and the best merfolk card in my deck was silver silver girl add up times three which was just a great magic card um but it's like if you just play straightforward magic i think the average person will be reasonably successful i don't think the the format is that difficult i don't think the format is that high variance at least in draft so i think that it's okay not to like things right just just keep in mind that that the reason you don't like things could be because you're losing or because Certainly. it's just or because it's just not fun to you which is fair too but i think to 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 blanket the, the the whole format to say that it's terrible because it's whatever high variance or or because it's bomb centric or because whatever i think might might do a disservice to it there are like honestly like can you name five unbeatable bombs easily right now in draft Right. There's like the Black Elder Dino Profane Procession. And then I'm having trouble kind of coming up with the next three. Uh, the Red Elder Dino is, is certainly good. in that conversation. Sure. Uh, the Green Elder Dino is also in that conversation. Yeah, but they're not like unbeatable, right? Like the black one will wipe your board and you can see it coming. Profane Procession is tough to sideboard against. The other two just die to removal. If they, you have to have removal, obviously. You have to have it immediately. But they're not glory bringer quality cards here. Well, maybe the red one is. It's right? pretty close. Um, the black vampire for two black black that bobs but drains your opponents while it gets played. Oh, that one's great. And at least it delays you a turn. But it's it's still something that if you happen to have removal in hand, right, you you can deal with it. But like um, there's, no, there's not many... Oh, Azor is pretty good. Yeah, that one's kind of annoying because you you can't but, deal with it on your next turn. Like the, the the challenge for that with with me is and like again, I'm I'm saying high variance and bomb centric, and those things can be true and not necessarily make for a bad format. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think this is higher variance than Magic at its base level, right? Like you and I are close to equal skill levels. If we sit down and we're playing a copy of the same deck, I think we've each got a fifty fifty chance to win. Like that is a high variance game, yes. right? Where the, the the skill edges you can get go up. The the challenge with this is like, let's say that we know our opponent has that um, two black black vampire that's going to draw cards and drain me. Mm-hmm. And they go to put an aura on one of their other creatures. So we know that that's in their deck and they've just put an aura on a dude and I can blow them out with the one instant speed removal I have. Like I've had times where I'm like, okay, I should do that. And then they untap and play a bomb. And I'm like, well, I, I don't have the removal I lose now. Yep. And th- that's where like that, that combines to make you feel like I got a two for one. I'm supposed to win this, but the, the bomb centric nature of this one card means that I can't win. Yes. And like, I think it just bothers me when people say like something is unbeatable. And, and I think the number of unbeatable cards in this uh, format, I think are, are not as high as what people say. Like those cards are all great. And if you can, play them and stick them you can win but you know a bomb where i where i cast a, a card and i put it on the table and i say if this if i untap with this i will win the game is like you know my heart's still thumping in my chest hoping that it survives to the next turn right there's still a risk that i'm taking you know i, I have to i have to run my i have to make choices to hopefully run my opponent out of removal before i play this bomb like is the road clear 
um, is my is my opponent top decking things like that, right? Whereas like card like Profane Procession, obviously I just put it down, and like the odds that you have main deck enchant removal are are quite small. And if you're playing red and blue, they're just non-existent, right? Yeah. Um, so like there's there's I think there's very few of those. I think the Black Elder Dino, uh, what's it? What's his name? Tezzy Tezmalok Tezmalok. Something um, like that. That's a great example of that one, right? It's just like your opponent shows it to you on turn one to get you put a counter on your on your one drop and you're like well this game was fun um but i don't i don't think there's too many of those so it might have just been like the first week where people were struggling and and trying to find their feet in the format and 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 just kind of saying nah bad things about the format don't make fun of the format don't don't talk smack about the format um but but i I think it'll come around and i think it'll even out and i think it will just end up being a regular magic set whether you enjoy it or not the general you not you is still yet to be seen just give a little give a little more more of a chance maybe and maybe go to draft and more instead of sealed maybe it is like ixalan where sealed is just awful and and draft is way better than sealed well that that's the case but i mean let's let's be honest dave not every magic set is a a slam dunk winner like if cons of tarkir flashbacks are up what are you streaming tomorrow probably cons of tarkir if Origins flashbacks are up tomorrow, what are you streaming tomorrow? Probably this. Yeah, because yeah. Origins was amazing. No. Yeah, I, did, I didn't like it. No, I, and, and, I, and you're not I, wrong. I, I, just... I, I didn't like it either, and I did well in Origins. My first uh, streamed PTQ top eight was in Origins. Like I was good at that format, but I still didn't really like it. Yeah, so, I'm, I'm just. I guess I'm just trying to defend it. And you're right. Like you know, not all formats are great. Like something has to be the worst format. So yeah, um, just, it's not this uh, <laughs> Homeland's draft. Oh my God. There, there are plenty of reasons to hate it. I just don't, uh, I just don't think some of the reasons that people are spouting off are legitimate. And then they just get kind of spread around, you know, the, how they hyperbole works on Twitter and, and things like that. Right. One pro says it sucks and then everybody says it sucks. And then it's all of a sudden it's the suckiest format that ever sucked. Yeah. And it, you know, the magic players do tend to talk in hyperbole. It, it's okay for me to say, this isn't my favorite magic set. I'm still going to play sealed. I'm still going to play the PPTQs. Um, if if I have to draft it instead of play sealed to get some enjoyment out of the format, I'm not opposed to that. I just found something else magic related that I was into, which honestly just started as somebody saying in my chat, when is constructed day? I'm like, you know what? I said I was going to play constructed on the stream. I was kind of dreaming that January 1st, they're going to be like, hey, no end day out on arena. Stream whatever you want. I'm like, well, I'll stream constructed on arena. And like th- that hasn't happened yet. I'm like, I-, I need to like man up and do that constructed day. And then I just accidentally found a deck that I really enjoyed. And I kind of haven't looked back from there. Yeah. You know what? As as with all things in life, do what you enjoy. As long as it doesn't hurt anybody, like you'll you'll be better off for it. So but I'm glad we had this talk because I I do want to be able to continue to talk about limited on this podcast. I don't oh, want to have yeah. to, I don't have to record half of it. Just me talking about limited and then half of you talking, you know, you just do about standard and like splice the two together and try to like interject some, you know, maybe some, some jokes or something like that here and there. That's a lot of editing for me to do. Now, that would be a lot of work. I don't want you it would to be. do that either. Um, but like, I mean, briefly, I'm just, just want to talk about kind of what I've seen in draft so far. So like I said, I'm over an 80% win rate. I think, um, I mean, I'm only, I'm halfway through one of my drafts. So, um, say like 13 and two or something like that anyway small sample size record it's a small sample size obviously but um like i have this chart that charts my win rate over time and my win rates over the last 10 20 50 matches 
uh, or actually draft, sorry, has been trending up. So I don't know if this is a, a short-term thing or if it's a continuing trend where I'm just continually getting better at, better and better at magic. But um, in Ixalan specifically, I've won with uh, red-white creatures and auras. So there's the theme right there, creatures and removal spells. Um, blue-green creatures and removal spells. Uh, I'm currently working on white green creatures and removal spells. Um, and then the deck that I didn't do so hot with was white. I don't remember what the other color was, but it was only, it was a two one. What I'm noticing is that I'm first picking really good vampire cards. I think in three of my four drafts that I can remember the three of my first four most recent drafts, I first picked the forerunner, the vampire forerunner, and then like a good white, either removal spell or vampire. And then never saw another vampire after that. So I had to like audible, obviously switch like one draft. I switched out entirely. I didn't play any of my white cards. Um, one just turned into a red white deck with like just no synergy at all, except the creatures and removal. Um, the removal is very good, right? I've been picking it quite highly and being able to deal with bombs, obviously is very good. Um, modal cards are very good. So like the green uh, dinosaur that removes enchantments, like I got a like, house. I got it like fifth pick in a draft. And it's like, why is this card here? This doesn't make any sense that this card is here. Um, basically anything that says do two things. And even if that second thing is like win the game or draw a card, I think is great. Um, something to do with your mana. And I have been drafting um, equipment. Mm-hmm. So obviously Pirate's Cut was still very good. Um, Captain's Hook was just bonkers. I didn't even realize that thing had menace. I didn't either the first time I played it. And then I was like, oh my God, I just win. Yeah, it's like plus two plus zero for one mana. I'm like, oh, like that's great. That's a great equip cost. Like, yeah, sure, I'll play that. I'll put it on a flyer. And then it was all of a sudden like, oh yeah, no, my opponent can't block it. Yeah. I had an eight six trampling menace with uh with combat trick backup the other day. It was pretty good. That is quite amazing. That is quite amazing. So I don't know. Format seems okay to me. Um, flyers are insane. Evasive creatures are also insane. Like the number of times where I've almost lost to a really good tempo deck or a really good um, kind of aggressive deck. I kind of put aggressive and tempo in the same spot in this format so far where like if your opponent goes two drop, three drop and like dead eye rig hauler, like that's that's the same as going like two, two drop menace, you know, three drop menace, four drop anything. Mm-hmm. um like you just can't block anything uh it, it feels like so so if you can find a way to block sailor of means seems to be very good being able to block anything um or throw a double block on a two on menace yeah it's very good and then obviously like the flyers the flyers are just amazing in this format so i wish more things had reach I yeah think is- i i think the the color shifted dinosaurs the fact that you lose the green one with reach mm-hmm. um kind of hurt the dinosaur decks a little bit but i mean es- essentially what you just described was basically all of my ixalan drafts before we had rivals in the pack is first pick the powerful cards first and then when it gets to the time to to you know decide it's like card four or five that's when you go into a tribe and that that's still fun and it's very technically rewarding play to to be like I'm smart. I'm going to go into green because this three, four is here. Pick five, even though I've kind of been going towards a vampire deck earlier. Now they're dried up. I'm so smart. I'm going to pick this and I'll see lots of hunt the weeks later, you know, and that it, that it again is technically rewarding play. I just, I guess that's the real problem for me is I I wanted rivals to do something different. Mm -hmm. I wanted things to get shaken up and you know, it, it ended up being kind of, you know, yo dog, I heard you liked dinosaurs yeah the number of cool things i think you could do with the decks that aren't tribal 
and like you said, tribal's just drafting a lord and like some other kind of cool like synergies, but that's not really they didn't really go overboard. When I looked at the set preview, it felt like they were doubling down on it because of the lords, but it didn't really turn out that way. But there are, you know, obviously there's like the cool, you know, there's there's an explore deck. Um that kind of got better if you can get there. It's just really tough to get there. Yeah. Um and, and things like that, right? So yeah, I'm with you on that one. Um, you know, would have been nice if the tribal thing meant a little more, but it doesn't. So I think we're just playing straightforward magic for the next couple of months if you play limited. You know what? Based on our conversation, I'm going to give a full day over to Rivals Draft on stream. Uh, it's not not going to be tomorrow or Saturday because I am getting ready. Th- that was the other big driver for standard is there's a standard mocks on Saturday. Oh, yeah, I've got the qualifier that. points and I want to play in that. Yeah. Uh, but after that, I'll I'll do a draft day. You know what? There's enough time left for you to just get there eventually. If you're enjoying standard, I'm going to talk you back into it. Like I said, do your thing. Come by, hang out on my stream. We'll draft and uh and we'll see at the end of the format did your win rate include the one two that you helped me draft on stream no i didn't draft that you did oh okay okay (laughs) that deck was like how do we (laughs) Uh, so for those that didn't see it we had we we started white right Mm mm-hmm we started white, started picking red, ended up picking red, black, opening an Angrath in pack two and still had like a handful of decent white cards, but we didn't see anything else. Like we picked like two or three white cards to start. We started with a forerunner, right? Vampire forerunner. I think it went vampire forerunner, luminous bonds. And then I don't remember what else. But anyway, we didn't see any more white cards in that pack, but we hedged a little bit in black, opened up some good red. Like we got like a mutiny and we got like, a, I want to say like a reckless rage or something like that. And then we open up an Angrath and it's like, okay, sweet. Like we'll just play red, black. We ended up getting the red, black Lord as well. And then all of these white cards keep coming around and there's like the nut vampire deck going past us. Nobody picking it. Absolutely. Nobody was picking any vampire card. And like in pack three, I think we saw like a 12th pick Bishop soldier or some other, like, why is this card still here? Why are we not playing white? Yeah. I would, if we had, it was yeah. a fun one. It was a fun one. I I I, I enjoy. I actually enjoy train wrecks like that because it's like challenge mode. Can you win with this? We almost won two games or two we matches. Did. We did. And Angrath was pretty good. What's your take on Angrath overall, though? Like when I first saw him, I'm like, is he really going to be decent? And then we played with him, and he was kind of decent. I mean, it's kind of like a kill spell for a small creature, which is pretty good in this format at five mana. And then it does leave some pressure behind. So I I don't think he's bad. I don't think I'd splash for him. And I don't think I would go black red for him. Like if I open it in a sealed pool, I'm not like, I have to play this. I'm like, huh, let's look at black red and see if we can do something with this. Because like a lot of what he does is the same thing as what hijack does. And nobody's going nuts over hijack. It, I don't think it passes the Chupacabra test. Yeah, it's not better than a Chupacabra. Nothing's better than a Chupacabra. Actually, I, wanted, I, I think I you're probably of, right on that one. I, I guess I would need one recover for my 22 Chupacabra deck. Well, it's basically 23rd Chupacabra. Actually, it's like your 23rd and your 24th Chupacabra. Because you, you draw another draw one. one off the top. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, okay. All right. Um, all right. That's an if for limited. We'll come back later in the format maybe we'll do some pick one pack ones next week or something like that but yeah i'd be down for that you want to talk about standard so let's uh let's talk about standard so what's um i mean so obviously there was the bannings so like energy is dead long long live the king all that jazz energy's not dead but it's not dead but it 
the version it of it that we've seen yeah. is dead. It got a lot worse. If you're playing green in your energy deck, it's a lot tougher to justify playing green in your energy deck now, I think. Um, long gone are the days of, you know, turn two long test hub, turn three rogue refiner, turn four anything, turn five glory bringer. Now to get to that, now that path looks a little bit different and at least it's it's not like a 5-5 five, five long tusk cub, it's like a 3-3 three, three long tusk cub. Yeah. Um, it's also interesting that we have no standard pro tour for this format. Um, and the only event that we have had so far, major event, was a Star City Games team series, if I understand correctly, where the meta is going to be a little different in a team series because it was a mixed team series, right? Like they had standard modern and like legacy or something like that is that correct do you remember? I believe so i don't honestly know i've just been looking at deck lists for magic online yeah so like you know if it was unified standard obviously the meta would be com- like we wouldn't know what the meta was because you can't have the same cards in all of those decks but yeah. in in a in a in a triple format team series you know a bad standard deck could possibly get carried by two good modern and legacy decks for example so it's really tough to know what the meta is there um but on Magic Online and from that event, if you go to MTG Goldfish and look at it, it's a very healthy meta so far. It has not been figured out. And I would expect that it's not going to be figured out for at least a few more weeks because of the lack of major events. And I think the Pro Tour is this weekend, right? I honestly am not sure when the Pro Tour is. I think it's terrible. I, I think the Pro Tour is this. Is it this weekend or next weekend? Anyway, it doesn't matter. But like, we're not going to know what the top three decks in the in the meta are for at least a few weeks at least a few gps mm-hmm. so that, that means that the format's wide open and in the the wild west of magic online we're going to see a lot of different things so if you want to check that out you can go to mtg goldfish and check out their uh their meta game but what have you been playing and what have you been seeing on magic online i, I i'm i'm gonna move into that i did want to just briefly touch on the bannings i can remember the last time i was getting ready for the mocks and I wanted to do a little brewing and I started brewing these decks around using green fixing and a tune with Aether to try to cast some cool spells. And then I realized there was just nothing better you could do with that card than Teamer Energy. And it's like, I, I kind of can't brew another green deck unless I'm doing something with a tune with Aether. And I actually like the fact that they removed that card specifically because it opens up a lot of space for all of the other fixing cards to start to get interesting and, and start to do something there. So I think that was a really good choice for them to ban rather than banning, say, the Cub uh, or, or some of the other cards that people had argued about. I also think the Ferocidon ban like saved us from the terror of of Red red Winter, basically, because that's what we were going to get. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I, I kind of have some faith in, in the higher ups there. It's better to have no bannings, but they took some risks with Kaladesh. They pushed it and did some fun stuff. There were cards that were together in a standard format that were never really supposed to be there. And I, I think with all of that kind of settling now, what we're seeing with Ixalan is kind of what we saw after the Urza sets where we had to power down the format a little bit. And I, I kind of dig that. So for me, this all started with, I had the last time I played standard was again for a Mox and I had settled on a, a white, mono white vampire list. And I just kind of booted up and updated that quickly and started playing some games and Ray, uh, who guest hosted on the, the Men From Moto that we streamed, was like, I got a deck I want you to check out. It's Jim Davis's, they're calling it Blue White Heroic. And Ah, nice I, little throwback there. Yeah, I, I absolutely love this deck. 
one of the things that that has me interested in it is this deck is under 50 bucks on magic online yeah and we were talking about this before the the show and most of that comes from the land yeah so a good portion from the land anyway so if you want a budget deck that is powerful you're saying that this might be it i'm saying that i i have a deal with mtgo traders that i can borrow any card that i want to right so I could borrow any deck from them and play it in the mocks this weekend that I'd like. And I'm still picking this one. So not only do I think it's a budget deck, I think it's actually quite good and I'm excited to play it. I've tweaked it a lot and I've added in some cards and taken away some cards and you can check that out on the stream. But the the core of this deck remains like, how can we be, abuse a Danto Vanguard is basically what we're trying to do here. So it's it's a basically 3-1 attacker. You need to be aggressive to play a Danto Vanguard. We need to do something to to like abuse this card. And the way that this deck is doing it is by playing SRAM from Kaladesh. Whenever you cast an aura equipment or vehicle, draw a card. So you're basically playing a Danto Vanguards and then putting cartouches on it. Our cartouche of solidarity, cartouche of knowledge, or curious obsession from the new set. Seems good. There's some other things that can carry those auras, um, such as an Adorned Pouncer. Um, I have dealt eight damage with an Adorned Pouncer and drawn two cards multiple times. Um, all you need is a one of each cartouche and a uh, Curious Obsession on it. And you've got a real powerhouse, not to mention you can flash it back. Um, and there's some other aggressively costed creatures in here. There's a Legion's Landing that you can flip. Um, we're also running Sky Marcher Aspirant, just as a Savannah Lions. And the deck hits Ascend reliably quickly, which kind of surprised me as I played through it. But like those enchantments that you're putting on your dudes count as permanents. Cartouche of Solidarity is two permanents for one card. So like Legion's Landing is two permanents for one card. So like you're hitting that pretty quickly. The the version that that Jim initially posted was running um, Sheltering Light as a way to protect your creatures. That's an instant uh, target creature gains indestructible until end of turn scry one. And the idea was you could protect SRAM, you could protect a pouncer if you were going to go in on putting enchantments on that instead of your Vanguard. After playing with it a lot um, and recognizing that some of the removal that we were facing is actually exile based, I've seen Reaver's Ambush and what's the Vraska's card? Vraska's Contempt. Vraska's Contempt and also Hour of Eternity. I was like, that's a problem. In addition, sweepers are a problem. So I ended up taking out the sheltering lights um, and trimming one of the baffling ends in this deck and bringing in two spell pierces and a negate in the main because they do essentially the same thing but function against so many other things. So I, I think swapping that out for counter magic was a big deal. Um, Jim was running um, one trial of solidarity in the list as like your finisher, because the entire deck is one and two drops. It's 20 land deck. Uh, I've switched to having two Timmets in here instead, because you end up with a bunch of stupid tokens laying around and Timmet being able to force those through it unblockable and also have that embalm uh, value is kind of a big deal. So I, I've been jamming this deck for the past two days. I'm going to do it again all day tomorrow. And I, I honestly think this is what I'm running in the mocks on Saturday. Like, I think we've got a really good deck here and I'm excited to play some of the other decks too, because I've seen some really cool stuff out here. Uh, the constrictor deck is still very much alive. One of the cards I'm terrified of with what I'm playing is walking ballista. So there's a black green constrictor deck 
it lost some of the energy pieces, but the explore cards with constrictors are actually really cool. Uh, that dude that double explores, imagine just putting four counters on it when you play it. I've seen that happen multiple times already. Uh, the boogeyman of Mardu vehicles is very much still there. Uh, there's a Grixis energy deck. Um, Rumianapolis Red is very much still a deck. I even had a deck that I played against. It was a Boros deck playing Path of Metal. They were able to flip it like on turn three, and it was terrifying because if I attack them, they're just going to kill my dude that attacked them. And if I don't, they're going to burn my face. Um, I've seen Merfolk. I've seen a Green Red Monsters deck. Like I had to devote sideboard slots to be able to deal with Rekindling Phoenix because my, my deck actually has a really hard time with that. Uh, Scarab God is still going. There's plenty of tokens lists. It just feels like there's a lot of different decks that you can be playing. And uh, I, I think it's probably the healthiest standard format I've ever been involved in playing. Because like the last time I got this deep into it was when I was playing Aetherworks Marvel. And that 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 was a warped metagame. You were either playing Marvel, Marvel or you were ready to beat it. Mm-hmm. I mean, we said that after the last bannings, too, is that the format seemed quite healthy and we ended up on Teamer Energy and various versions of Teamer Energy. Will it probably end up in a place like that again, where there will be a de facto top three? There's always a de facto best deck and a de facto top three decks or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but like I said, I think the fact that there's no, we have no metagame yet and we have no way to get a metagame for the next couple of weeks, I think makes it quite interesting. There's always a metagame on Magic Online. Um, I'm still a fan of releasing more data rather than less. Mm-hmm. Like I, I think one of the things that can prevent some people from getting into constructed magic is not knowing what to play and being able to go look at a list of good decks is a good way to get into that. Also, can I tangent just a minute? Yes. Have you heard people refer to people as net deckers? Yes. Have I complained about this on the podcast before? I don't think so. No, I don't think we've actually done that. Okay, let let me go deep here and and explain to you what net decking is. So I've been playing Magic for 20 years. That's longer than some of our listeners have been alive. When I started playing, internet access was not a common thing that everyone had. The library at my university had it. I certainly didn't have it at home. So when you'd go to a tournament with blue and white cards that I own right? And then get stomped by somebody with a great deck. Some of my friends would complain, well, they're a net decker as if they're somehow playing an unpure form of magic at this tournament that we all paid an entry fee for. It's like, that's not actually true. There's just information that they had access to that we didn't, right? Like they understand how this game works and we didn't. And therefore we lost like complaining about net decking in 2018 just makes you sound stupid. If you don't want to play with net decks, I'm not sure if you heard the air quotes, then don't. It's okay. Play at the kitchen table. Draft. Play with your friends and agree on a ban list that you want to enforce. Play commander. But if you're going to go play in a standard tournament and complain about net deckers, like, what are you doing? That doesn't make you sound cool. That makes you sound stupid. Not every deck in Magic has to be a brew. There yeah. are there's a small percentage of people that can brew magic decks, I think. I think it's a it's a skill that most people don't have. I agree. So 
for somebody like me, I can't brew a standard deck. I don't know anything about it. If I want to get into standard, heck yes, I'm net decking. I'm going to go take the best deck out there or the best budget deck out there, depending on what I'm looking at doing. I'm going to take it. I'm going to play it. I'm going to learn it. And then I'm going to tweak it. Right. I don't have the years of experience and the wealth of knowledge to know how to construct a deck around Legion's Landing. Right. I mean, I'll put creatures in my deck with Legion's Landing. I won't know exactly what creatures to put in there or why I'm doing it. <laughs> I'm, I mean, I'm not right. Like I don't play standard. I, I don't know these things. Right. Or like, I don't know what the shelf or an approach deck should look like. If I'm going to build my own, why would I just not go and grab one off the internet and start there? Yeah. So the, the rant over, but that's why I like more information instead of less information, but all, all that to wrap up, there certainly is a metagame that you can see developing on magic online and these are very competitive events, and we do have brewers in, on Magic Online. I, I think the heart of that net decking issue is that people, everyone likes the idea of brewing, but very few people are good at it, like you said. So they feel like they're getting robbed of the opportunity to brew because other people aren't playing fun decks against their fun decks. And you can get together with a group of friends and say, let's not play super competitive decks and have fun. I mean, do that and go for it if that's what you want out of Magic. But I, I wouldn't be mad if somebody's playing a competitive net deck on Magic Online. Like, kind of, what do you expect? But I, I do think there's a healthy metagame. It's just not one that's like we've seen it at the pro level. We've, we've just seen it on Magic Online. Right. Now, it'll shake out in a few weeks. We'll, we'll get, we'll see. Uh, who knows? Maybe it'll be like, instead of paper, rock, scissors, it'll be a seven-way top deck format like modern. Could wouldn't, be. Wouldn't that be a thing? It would be. And like, we'll see some interesting modern decks, I'm sure. Like, I'm, I, it, it amazes me. Um, I, I've played some modern, but like all of the cards and pieces for the Lantern Control deck and the Death Shadow deck, like there wasn't a set release that introduced the pieces that these decks needed. And they just weren't there three years ago. It was people taking the time to find these pieces and put them together that have made two top tier decks. And it, it kind of amazes me when I look at those lists and I'm like, there's not, sometimes there's a new card in there, but it's not the basis of the deck. Uh, mm -hmm. So who knows what might jump out at, at modern, at yeah, the modern it, PT. I'm excited for that. It'll be, you're not excited for it. You're not going to watch it. No, I'm not. But what I'm interested in is looking at the deck list that come afterwards, because if there's a spicy modern brew, maybe I want to give that a try too. All right. That's fair. And if Reed Duke wins with Jund, uh, then I'm absolutely streaming Jund for a week. I will hold you to that. Please do. I love that deck. I just don't think it's good anymore. <laughs> All right. Anything else you want to talk about this week? I think that covers it. I just, it. It feels weird to be this much more excited about standard than I am the draft format. That's not normally me, but I really am legitimately excited and I'm, I'm looking forward to the mocks. I've done well in a standard mocks before I, I qualified for the finals in the last one I played in. And uh, I'm going to see if I can do that again. All right. I wish you luck, sir. Thank you. All right. Well, we'll call it there then. That's the podcast for the week. Once again, thanks to Face to Face Games and Mana Deprived for all the hosts. Um, do you have any homework this week? Homework is um, draft, draft rivals and tweet me your feedback about the format. Tell me if you like it, if you don't like it, and be fair to the format. Tell me why. I like it. That, that's good homework. I will certainly do that. And my reason will be is because I'm winning at the format. That's why yeah. I like it. And that's a valid reason. Oh, trust me. It is. It is the best reason to play magic. <laughs>
I am on some kind of streak right now. So, all right. Well, thanks again for for listening. And if they want to catch you on your mocks run this weekend, where can they catch you? You can find me on Twitch at twitch.tv slash Simulan or on Twitter. I'm at Simulan. And I am at DCivilian. That's D-S-A-V-I-L-L-I-A-N on both. You can also catch us on the Men From Moto Twitter, which is Men From Moto. Have a good week. We'll catch you next time. See ya.